Greetings to each of you. I hope you had a special Thanksgiving time. It's hard to believe that Advent and Christmas have now come upon us. For another year, I've decided to offer some Advent devotionals or meditations. Uh, this year, not in writing, but only as a podcast. So, I hope you'll join me each week if I can get these done. When we read passages from what we call the Old Testament, I'm finding it more and more important to remember that for Jesus and the Apostles and all the early Christians, these were simply the Scriptures. Peter tells us that the Old Testament prophets themselves were aware that they were prophesying things beyond their own understanding, things they wanted to understand, but that would only be revealed in the gospel entrusted to the apostles in the church by Jesus. See 1 Peter 1, 10 and 12. Until Jesus, quote, opened the scriptures, unquote, following his resurrection, See Luke 24, 25 to 27, and 44 to 49. No one could comprehend accurately how the scriptures would be fulfilled through Jesus. Prior to that, the Gospels say plainly that not even the apostles understood, although Jesus himself taught them straightforwardly that according to the scriptures he must suffer, be crucified, and be resurrected. Indeed, Peter rebuked Jesus for saying such things. Therefore, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, his closest disciples were all terrified, and they were left hopeless. Also, many Jews rejected Jesus and sought to kill him, ultimately successfully, because they misread and misunderstood the scriptures, as John 5, for example, makes clear. To these, Jesus said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. John 5:39-40 and 46, New King James Version. My comments on the readings from the Old Testament scriptures, therefore, are made in the light of the meaning of the words and the passages revealed to us by Jesus himself and the biblical writers in the New Testament. Here are the scriptures from the New King James Version for the first Sunday of Advent, November 27, 2022. My comments will follow each passage. The first reading, Isaiah 2, 1-5. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, 
and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah prophesied for at least 40 years, about 700 years before Jesus' birth. Isaiah foresaw terrible judgment that was to come upon God's people, but he also foresaw a great restoration when God would return to his people with forgiveness and establish his kingship among them once more. Isaiah chapter 1 is the first of numerous words the prophet received for the people of Judah and Jerusalem, words of severe rebuke issued along with a strong call for repentance as well as words about the promised deliverance and redemption. Chapter 2 begins with this glorious promise which we read, looking forward to the latter days. Days that Peter identified on the day of Pentecost as having begun with Jesus' resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit 50 days later. Isaiah foresaw that in these last days God's kingdom would arise as a supreme government on earth. According to his prophecy in its fullest sense, God's house would arise as a supreme government on earth. In the original Hebrew language, house refers both to Jesus himself, the true temple, or the house of God, and also to his household, the church, which is his body. Indeed, the word of the Lord has gone out from Jerusalem into the nations through the proclamation of the gospel. That is, the proclamation of the good news about God's kingdom. Through that proclamation, every person, Jew and Gentile alike, has been commanded to turn to God in repentance and to confess King Jesus to be his or her Lord. Jesus commanded that those who obey the good news by believing and confessing are to be taught, quote, to obey everything I have commanded you, unquote. Matthew 28, 20. By responding to the good news of God's King and King in that way, we have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Hebrews 12, 22 and 24. Note the similar language in this passage in Hebrews to that in Isaiah. The city of God, Mount Zion, Jerusalem. All these words fulfilled in Jesus in the new covenant. The prophetic promise in Isaiah is followed by a prophetic exhortation. Come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. In Isaiah's day, God's chosen people were the physical descendants of Jacob, whose name meant deceiver. The people of Judah in that time were a deceitful people who professed to be God's people and yet and who continued the rituals of worshiping him, but in reality, they were serving idols. Isaiah's prophecy should challenge us as well. It should lead us to ask ourselves, are we also sons of Jacob? who, although we identify as God's people and profess to serve Him, 
all too often serve idols such as material wealth, individual independence, entertainment, sex, and power? Are we truly servants of God and of others, or are we actually self-serving? God help us to walk in the light of the Lord. The second reading is prayer of praise in song. I'll spare you the song and pray it as thanksgiving and petition. Psalm 122, a song of sense of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, do the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let God's people rejoice. I remember when this psalm and others began to come alive to me when I saw the purposes of God for community, for the church not being buildings or organizations or meetings in any primary sense, but the church being the people of God united together as the family of God with relationships and and just all that that, the safety and the joy that that entails when God's people are are cooperating together and working together. Uh, What wonderful news it was. When we heard the good news about King Jesus, we were hearing the call to go up and be part of the house of the Lord. We've been delivered from sin and the power of darkness. We've become God's building, as Paul said. We've become God's people. We've been added to God's covenant family. We are now citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem. Let's not forget who we are. Let's not forget where we are. And let's not forget to whom we have come. As we read above from Hebrews 12. King Jesus, the Son of David, the Prince of Peace, reigns now, having received all authority in heaven and on earth from the Father. Let us then join the angelic army, the host of angels who herald his birth, proclaiming glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Luke 2.14 The third reading is from the epistle to the Romans. Romans 13, 11-14 And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Here the Apostle Paul is addressing those in Rome who were following Jesus. Like Isaiah, Paul urgently calls on God's covenant people, those in Rome and us also, to awake up, to lay aside all deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
The light of the world, Jesus, came already to conquer the powers of darkness by his obedience. Obedience that led him to the cross where he triumphed over them in his death, as it says in Colossians 2, 13 to 16. May God help us to repent of any darkness in our own lives so that the light of our King may be clearly seen reflecting through us. Finally, we turn to the Gospel reading. From Matthew 24, 36 to 44. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, till the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. In Noah's day, people were going about their lives doing the normal things that people do. However, evil had so matured in them that God had to sweep them away in the flood for the sake of his creation. Noah, a godly man living in a darkened world, and his family were saved through that same flood. In Jesus' interpretation of the parable of the wheat and the tares, Matthew 13, 36-43, we are told something similar will happen again. The tares, the sons of the wicked one, when they have matured, will be taken out of the world and the sons of God's kingdom will be left in the world to shine like the sun. Later, the Apostle Paul said that the Father has rescued us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Because Jesus is reigning at the Father's right hand, he has left us here with a job to do until the sons of the wicked one are taken away. We've been left to be the light of the world, to be the people who reveal God's glory in this present darkness through our faithful love and service and good works. At some unexpected time, which the Father is determined and not yet revealed, Jesus will return. The sons of the wicked one will be taken away. Will we be ready? Will be, we be on the alert and fulfilling our assigned good works, which in King Jesus we've been recreated to do? Friends, as we anticipate celebrating Messiah's birth and the hope of his return, let us not forget that we have been called by God to be light in the Lord. We've been called to walk as children of light, a people who are exposing the darkness not participating in it, as Paul told us so plainly in Ephesians 5, 8-10. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord.